Hello and welcome to episode 24 of season three of Cherry Jam. Myself, Ed Price, James Eastwood or Snowy and Russ Brooks this evening. Uh, Loz and Jim aren't available uh, this week, but it's a non-Gloucester week, so it's not the end of the world. Um, we're going to talk about a few things. First of all, uh, we'll just go through, rattle through the European fixtures this weekend. Gloucester obviously not involved, um, but there was uh, some interest um, for Gloucester in that the, um, uh, the other teams in the group played. Um, we'll also talk about some of the other results in the Champions Cup and uh, there were some interesting results in the Champions Cup particularly today as we record on the Sunday uh, but we'll start off with um, the the most Gloucester-centric bit of the pod I suppose in terms of r- rugby um, Benetton Treviso beat Newport uh, without getting a bonus point um, and uh, Leon absolutely humped uh, Perpignan away to basically secure their own place in the next last 16. Um, roundabout, all it means is that Gloucester, if they beat Perpignan next week, we have qualified. We will qualify automatically for the last 16. Um, and then the final game against Newport, which is uh, in um, April, March, April time, uh, that's really just going to be a case of where we end up in terms of seedings if we can win that away and get a you know, bonus point. So, um, <clears throat> all in all, actually, it was a decent weekend for Gloucester in that. We know what we need to do now just to win next week and that will take care of things. Um, I just want to move on now quickly to the other results this weekend. Let's start off with uh, the most ridiculous result of the weekend, which was um, over in uh, in uh, Leinster, uh, who won 89-7. Um, guys, do you want to have a <laughs> quick discussion about that? I mean, it, it was a fairly pointless game of rugby after about 25 minutes. That was such a weird game to watch as well because... I don't even think Leinster played that well. They actually bombed quite a few chances. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't like they played well. I think um, Montpellier was just terrible. They just didn't look interested. Was it was sure. it the sort of best available Montpellier side? I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I don't I mean, think so. No, I mean, I know you can always, you could always see Leinster doing, you know, pummeling a team. That's possible. But I think... There clearly must have been some players not not available. I can't imagine that that was a full strength Montpellier side. Um, no, but um, yeah, I mean, I watched I watched the last twenty minutes because I think Russ, you put on the WhatsApp group about what the score was. I thought, oh, we could get to hundred points here, and I think actually, it as, genuinely it, it, looked like it at one point. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it, it did as you said. It it definitely looked like it. It was almost there was a, about a five minute period where they were mucking around mucking around with scrums. And I think if they kind of just got on with it um, at that point, they probably would have still been able to run in a couple more tries. Yeah, I agree. I think it was just, it's one of those ones I think Leinster just took their foot off a little bit towards the end. There was nothing in it for them. So it's like, let's get out of here. And yeah. yeah. Uh, In terms of other fixtures and scores and stuff this weekend, um, a a big win for Ulster against Northampton, a bonus point win, despite um, Northampton coming back at the right at the end. Uh, Claremont, um, I think, won quite late, didn't they, against Sale? Um, it was relatively late, uh, late win for them. Um, and then yesterday, um, big win for Exeter, which I have to admit, I saw the, again, I saw the second half of that, and they looked quite scarily good. <laughs> Um, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have seen any of the highlights of that yet, but it, it, it was quite, quite worrying to see how good Exeter was starting to play again. Yeah, I think Exeter, I haven't seen the game, but I think 
they're they're feeling like other teams have caught them up a bit, and I think it's given them a bit of a kick up the arse. I think they're going to come really good second half of the season. Yeah, they've they've also started to change up how they're playing rugby lately, mm-hmm. which I think is what like what you're saying to Snow. It feels like they're trying. They've recognised they need to evolve and change a bit. Like they're playing some quite good rugby as well. They they don't seem to be afraid to go wide a bit more now. So it'll be interesting to see if they stick to that. But you kind of think they've been around long enough at the top now to know when they need to change it up and maybe when to time a run a bit. So mm. yeah, it's, it doesn't surprise me to be honest that they're they're getting there or thereabouts to their best. Uh, and talking about Exeter Glasgow, obviously when they played up in Glasgow, it was a bit of a farce because you couldn't see one from one side of the pitch to the other. Similar in La Rochelle, uh, who who um, looked like they were going to put eighty odd points onto Bath, but fair play to Bath. I'll give them a bit of credit here that the um, second half in particular, they scored three tries or something like that, or two tries at least in about five minutes, um, and did put up a bit of a fight. So if you, I don't know, I think if you were a Bath fan, you probably have a bit of you probably could take something from that. La Rochelle did ease off quite a lot. Um, and um, Bath scored two ridiculous tries, both from La Rochelle lineouts on the Bath line, rolling all. Bath stripped it and then just went at the other end and scored. It was quite bizarre. Um, other, is where uh, we're at with Bath now, isn't it? It's like, oh, bless them. They did try a bit this time. Yeah. It? <laughs> it was a little bit like that. It also made me quite, it did, it did make me chuckle the fact that you could clearly see there was a little bit of like, you know, you can imagine the hope for the Bath fans they might get a bonus point. Nah. Um, but anyway, um, the, the, I mean, to be fair, the big, I suppose the, the, the big, big wins and the big performances were all in Pool B. Wasps with a, a pretty outstanding victory over Toulouse with only 14 men. Did I, I don't know, again, have you seen the, the red card? It was um, almost a carbon copy of the Ollie Thorley incident last year um, where, uh, where he obviously got sent off for tackling somebody with his head. Um, it, oh, I mean, I, I, there was a, a couple of points on Twitter actually. I did think it was an interesting thing. Is it? Do you th- do we think that's harsh? Do we think it is harsh that you know the the uh, Toulouse player wasn't injured? It was the Wasp player who actually got hurt, like Ollie did, um, but then got red carded. Are we? Do we think that's a harsh ruling and judgment on that, or is it a case of we just need to stamp out these high tackles and we need to lower the tackle height? I could see it. I can see a bit of what you're saying, but I think it is clear that they are that they're steadfast in that you've got to lower the tackle height. So I think it's just one of those ones that, regardless of the outcome, they're going to stick to their guns on it. So the players have got to start trying to think that way. Um, but I do completely get how frustrating it must be for the players because it's it's not an easy thing to do, is it? You're not asking something to change overnight. For the current, you've got to remember, I guess, players who are playing at the top level now have been trained on that tackle technique since they've been about eight, you know, 10, 11 since they started playing rugby. So it's a big adapt adaption, isn't it? And mm. I don't know, it's, it's, it's complicated, but it's the way the game's going. It's not... I think if they're consistent in it, there's not a lot you can do, really. I mean, we discuss this a lot when the Ollie Foley one happened, but the issue is the fact that it's based on the result and not the action. Mm-hmm. And um, I noticed it. I was look at, looking at um, some of the, the last Gloucester game I watched on telly, actually, and some of the tackles. And it seems there are a lot of hits to the, the tops of the shoulders and the head that actually go 
unpenalized yeah. when it's really low and to the ground. And I think that's right, it should be. But then they can pull, they could pull one of those out for review. And because of where the contact was made, it would be an immediate red. So there's so if you're saying black and white, if there is contact in this area, it is always a red. You could probably pull out 10 to 12 um, times that's happened in any game and penalize it. Um, so that that's the issue for me. It needs it needs to be something that you can apply to every situation, black and white. And the only way you can do that is if it's based on the action as opposed to the end result. Yeah. I suppose the issue here is that if we and I, I agree with you, Snow, that, that I think the frustration thing is it's the inconsistency um, where I mean, you know, we, we see we see a number of clear acts in every game where they're they're reckless beyond belief. You know, you're flying in that you, you, you're basically off your feet at the point of when you're running into the ruck. It's ridiculous. But, um, you know, they're, they're never sort of highlighted. Um, but I suppose the argument being is if, you, if we started pulling out tackles during the game, based on the action and not the result, we would be playing four-hour games. <laughs> yeah, well, and that, that's right. That, that, that's right. So it needs to be consistently applied. But then if it's something that you can apply 15 times a game, then it's not the right thing to be doing. No. Um, but I, I, I think if we look at the bigger picture, the, I do think that the game's already improving. So we're seeing fewer reds, definitely. Yes. Yeah. I haven't seen any stats on that, but certainly from feel there are fewer reds than, than when it was first starting to be enforced. That's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just because refs have give, like, are losing the will to live for themselves. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it does feel like some of the new law laws this year, especially, there is more free and open rugby, it feels like. Less, less ball stuck in scrums. Um, I'm a big fan of the not... Um, if it's held up over the line, it's a turnover as opposed to the attacking yeah. team get the ball back. So I, I've, I think that has really opened the game up. Um, going off on a tangent a bit around the new laws, but the one that's really winding me up at the minute is the way it's set up that the game can just go on for 15 minutes once the 80 minutes are up. <laughs> but like, I think the other one Yeah, go on. Sorry, go on. For yeah. me, once there's a stoppage that isn't in the... Went, what, whichever team's got the ball at the 80 minutes... Mm. Any, any stoppage that is caused by the opposition, keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. But once there's a turnover, and, and it's a tur- well, obviously not an open play turnover, but a turnover because of something like a knock-on, that, that's it, just kill the game dead. Because you get this very weird situation at the end of the games now where it can just go on and on and on. Well, I suppose it's, it, that actually, interestingly, I don't think that law, the, big, the change in the law was the change where where you get games going on and on and on past the 80 minutes is where you had the penalty chain law. So basically when you, um, when you had a penalty, you couldn't kick, if you kicked it out, it was the end of the game. Um, that, yeah. Now you can still play the line. Now you can I still mean, play the line. Out. And that's the, it, because that's now it's different. even, um, but if it's a, a knock on, or, well, I don't know. I don't, am I right about that? I don't know. No. I don't know. <laughs> so if it's, if it's a like knock on, it. if it's a knock on, it's it, it, the game. If it's a knock on and it goes to a scrum, and the, and the ball is dead and the referee calls it. That's that's the end of the game. The, yeah, what, the only way that's going to go on, I guess, is if they knock on and the other team decide to carry on playing yeah, and then they call yeah, yeah. advantage over. That's advantage the only over. way I yeah. can see that happening. Um, and I think, well, maybe that's what it is then that to sort of the change that is making me feel like this is simply the fact that because of the penalty being able to kick to touch um, and then keep playing, 
it, mm. it never makes sense to kick the ball out really unless you're completely under pressure and you're yeah, you're really far ahead in the game. Yeah, I guess <laughs> the only reason you do it, yeah, the only reason you're going to do it is if you're already, you've already got a try bonus, and um, you, you know, it doesn't matter. There, there's yeah, no, yeah. there's no other reason why you need to keep playing, is there? Um, yeah, I think it's just an unintentional. What happens with a lot of the law changes is you get unintentional consequences, and I guess that's one from that. Yeah. I think on the whole, again on the tangent, I think all the law changes have been quite good overall. It's certainly, yeah. you know, I remember last year thinking international rugby, for example, could be really dull. We probably had one of the best autumn international series we've had in a long time. I, I don't remember being as excited by the Six Nations as I am. It feels like premiership rugby is doing okay you still see the, people the, uh, the choke tackle one's a big one isn't it the the fact they just call tackle now quickly and the ball has to be recycled yeah. that speeds the game that, up that, that that um i think it wasn't really a law change it was more of a people actually just focusing what the law was which is people, as soon as that yeah. player gets in, and also the players understanding if you can get a knee to the ground um it, it obviously means yeah, it's yeah. And, and, and it's yeah i, I think that's good I've, I've never been a fan of the choke tackle so like you say it's almost new to it as a thing anyway um yeah. so that's quite good yeah i mean it's funny you, you always get people moan about it like my, my favorite thing the one that annoyed me at the weekend was austin healy was moaning as he does um there was a scrum penalty oh, yeah, to, yeah i watched that i did see that absolutely yeah. <laughs> was it um it was Ulster. No, mm. Yeah, it was Ulster. Absolutely marmalised Northampton in the scrum. Yeah, on Northampton ball. Yeah. On, on Northampton ball. Absolutely marmalised them. And he was moaning that the forwards hadn't given it to the backs to play through because he's like, oh, they've kicked for touch and they've only made 15 metres. And it's just that usual bloody forwards ruining the game of rugby. And it was just funny because he was moaning about the game should be more running. And you know, well, actually, that's good because actually what happened was they kicked down the field and they actually did quite a good move off the line out to the backs. And it's one yeah. of those ones. I, I, I think it's just as a forward, what he forgets is... As a forward, I've often seen games where they go to the backs and then you have to, as a forward, watch them blow a two-on-one or knock on. You're like, oh, brilliant. Back to the scrum then, boys. It's just as annoying. It's, you know, people will always moan, but I think on the whole, rugby feels like it is much more open at the moment because we had a few years of utter dross, didn't we? So it just feels much better. So going back to the fixtures and stuff of this weekend, and again, it it did seem to be all Group B of, of the Champions Cup, which is... Again, they're they're large, they're big groups, which um, does kind of change the perspective of these things. But um, uh, an incredible, again, comeback win by Leicester. Um, a fair play to them. They, again, I watched that game, and they were they weren't very good. They were very inaccurate, but managed to um, to manage to get the, uh, the 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 win there in the last play of the game. And then Bristol as well, a really superb win against Stad with a bonus point. Uh, Harry Randall stole the show. Um, uh, who and you know he, he was he was kind of back to what I would I I think of as as his best that sniping, quick decision making, um, running the support lines. He he looked really impressive, and then as always, um, the magic man as they're now calling him, um, Smith uh, Quinns um, stole the show again. You know Quinns were absolutely dreadful for about seventy four minutes against Cardiff, and then. Um, Fair play to him, Marcus Smith. Pretty much won the game on his own, almost scored a try and then kicked the winning penalty uh, at the end. So, um, all in all, a very entertaining weekend um, for of rugby. Um, we're just now going to pause and we're going to move back on to some of the things that you guys have sent in over previous weeks. Some other ideas that we've had about interesting content we could talk about today. Um, 
the first one is a a question that was sent in um, by Sam Anstey. Actually, he sent in two. Um, first of all, which was, what's your second favourite English county? Uh, we'll start with a silly one. Now, Loz, bless him, he wasn't here tonight. He said Cornwall or Merseyside. Uh, and for our, uh, for our attentive listeners, you may or may not have heard that Lawrence is a Liverpool fan. That so might explain. the only reason you say Merseyside, isn't it? I, I think, I think people... <laughs> Yeah, but Liverpool, even people City, in, outside of Liverpool, that county is absolute dross. I don't think any, <laughs> yeah, I don't think people in Merseyside would pick it as their favourite county. To be honest, no. I, I, but as I said, I think it's because he's a Liverpool fan. That's my guess uh, on that one. Uh, Russ, your 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 other favourite English county, well, Loz, obviously outside of Gloucestershire. Loz has picked what I would have picked, which is called Merseyside. No, <laughs> well, I, I'm. I spend a lot of time in Dorset because that's where the wife's family is from. And I have to say it is a very pretty county anyway, as someone mm-hmm. who likes running and cycling. They've got, you know, doing a couple of Jurassic Coast trail runs this year because it's, you know, things like Durdle Door and so on. It's, it's a beautiful that, part of the country, yeah. except when you go when, there when all the bloody tourists are there. So don't anyone else rock up because it I mean, pisses technically, you. Technically, are you a tourist? I mean, I'm, ju- I'm just... Well, I, 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 they, I, they, I, I... They interviewed that woman, didn't they, about <laughs> yeah. the tourists there during COVID. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not Russia's saying they're the bright. I'm not saying they're the brightest. Yeah. They're not the brightest people. Yeah, that one was spectacular. Like moaning about all the other tools. Oh, I hate people not following the rules while I'm sat here doing the same. But you know, yeah. it's a very pretty part of the country, um, and it is. It's one of those counties you can kind of go along the beach runs there, and it doesn't really matter what the weather is. It still looks quite nice. So yeah, that that mm. one for me. Snowy. Mine is Cumbria. Cumbria. I like the way that, yeah, I like the fact I like the fact that you've chosen the county that you don't even live in. Like you could have chosen Lancashire with you, you know, which is a fair a fair shout in itself. But you've gone Cumbria. Come on, the reasons why. I mean Lanc- Lancashire ain't got that much going for it, really. <laughs> well, you, well you're there for a start, so that's a, that's a negative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lake the Lake District is um so yeah, we head up there every every couple of weeks being in Lancashire because definitely my favorite part of the country um yeah. again like Russ said with uh, Cornwall and Dorset it can be a little bit overrun with tourists sometimes but it's not hard to get away from that and be up in the mountains and yeah um incredible place to spend a weekend oh yeah I mean I'll be honest there are two places that I haven't spent a great deal of time with because Dorset I think I've only been to I went on I went on holiday with uh my wife and my daughter when she was very small uh that's my daughter I should say and um uh I, I, we went to Weymouth and did a bit a few bits and pieces around there and then uh we went there for Russ Russ's wedding went to for Dorset by the uh for those who, who who are interested it was it is the place with the uh the man with the giant penis on so, the hillside yes, so Dorchester it was Dorchester wasn't it your wedding bus which is yeah, the, so sleepiest, the sleepiest town in the country yeah it's yeah it's, yeah the county it's not the best county town the areas around it where the where my my um in-law family live is much nicer Cern's lovely um Sidling where they live now is lovely but yeah Dor- Dorchester's you're not missing a lot if you no. don't ever go there. Isn't there a Tutankhamun museum? That's my memory of there that. Is, there is, there is, yeah, there is a museum. There's a dinosaur museum as well. There is a dinosaur a military museum. Key. So a they have all these. Museum. Yeah, there's the yeah. tank museums nearby. M loves it when we go to the tank museum. She's a big fan. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, yeah, so monkey, monkey World. Uh, Don't forget Monkey World. Oh, monkey monkey World's World. Good, but if we're talking about museums and we're comparing counties, Cumbria has a pencil museum, which, <laughs> which has which has amongst its displays the world's largest pencil. Excellent. I mean, that's just, that's superb. Wow. You, don't, you just don't get a better than that, do you, really? I mean, I, I, I uh, well, you've also got Kendall, haven't you? So you can have some nice mint cake, should you wish to uh, yeah. climb a hill. Um, Brassmere gingerbread, even better than Kendall mint cake. Right. I, I'm not aware of that particular cake of or biscuit or whatever it is. You've never um, heard of Kendall mint cake? No, Brassmere. I've heard of Kendall. Say, Brassmere Jesus Christ, for someone who... Professor I've literally just mentioned Kendall. I've just mentioned <laughs> Kendall Mintake. Listen to the bloody podcast, mate. Anyway, right. <clears throat> so for myself, I'd probably say it's a close one between Devon um, and um, and Hampshire. The, gate, now, the gateway to Cornwall. The gateway to Cornwall, yeah. So, but, so hang on. We, we You just said Hampshire after we just gave large <laughs> shit for picking. Oh, I'm, I'm well aware. I'm well aware that I'm picking Hampshire because of my... Uh, connection is uh, with the, with a certain football club, but um, actually, and you have been to Southampton. <coughs> I have been to Southampton. I'm not and saying Southampton. Still, okay. I'm not saying Southampton is the nicest part of Hampshire, um, and it's definitely not Portsmouth either. But Hampshire is a very nice place to go to. You know, it, it is a lovely, yeah. a lovely place. Um, Winchester is quite nice. Winchester, yeah. yeah. My not sorry. My knowledge of Southampton is limited because again my wife has a heart condition so i spend a lot of time in southampton at the hospital bored out of my brain just particularly over covid when i couldn't go in the hospital so i got to know costa coffee at tesco's there very well because it was the only place you could <laughs> sit in over covid and portsmouth um, is in hampshire as well which is probably the best the highlight of hampshire portsmouth is the highlight of hampshire because it's still it's a really great way to get out of hampshire um you know you you know you're leaving Portsmouth uh, behind. It's a very great place to be. But um, no, uh, Devon really is, is my favourite county other than Gloucestershire. Um, uh, lots of uh, very fond child memories. My grandparents both lived in Exeter, uh, lived in Exeter. And, um, uh, you know, we spend loads of time over the summers when I was a kid going to all the different parks and recreational facilities down there and like, you know, Exmouth and Bicton and all these other lovely places, which I could highly recommend if you've got kids. But uh, as, as as you've already said, it's the gateway to Cornwall. Um, anyway, <laughs> right. Um, moving on. So the other question Sam asked was, money, no object. <clears throat> going back to rugby here. Can we pick one Kiwi, one Aussie, one South Africa and one Frenchman to add to the Gloucester squad? Now, um, Loz has said, and again, I, this is the thing, because he can get in early, uh, but he's gone uh, Kiwi, he's gone Bowden, Bowden Barrett. Uh, Australian, he's gone Kurabeti, I think, is it? Kurabeti? Um, his exact words were that big bastard Fijian-type centre they have. Um, <laughs> um, Man of the cultures. Yeah, very right. knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm not going to go, no, hang on. South African, because he just say something else. Uh, we already have one who is sufficient. Sufficient, I should point out, is what Lola said. And a uh, French person, uh, Dupont, again, which is fairly obvious. Right, uh, Snowy, you'll go you first. You're, if you could pick one Kiwi, money, no object. Um, I haven't prepared this question. Oh, right, so. okay. But did, you said you asked for a French one, but Lola didn't give a French. Did he, he did, he said Dupont. Oh, he said he went yeah, really imaginative with all his picks. <laughs> yeah, he really, <laughs> really fought him through. Yeah. Can you imagine Dupont though in our setup at the minute? Like scrum half is where we just haven't nailed someone who's 
who's really setting the game alike. Can you imagine Dupont with the rest box of the kicking. players they are at the moment? No, just just well, just the idea of yeah, Dupont just, just box yeah. kicking all the game plan out the window. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, right, okay. Well, uh, uh, if we're gonna just, you can pick. You know, I don't have to. If you ever can't think of an, a Kiwi in Australia, South African, or French, but you know, just pick one or two of them. I'm happy with that. Um, all black. I'd go for that. Harini. Um, oh, yeah, play yeah. seven absolute lightning he'd be good mm. I mean obviously we got quite a good back three but yeah, he'd be good yeah um, um, Australian if any it, would you have an Australian because I don't think I'm not particularly I'm not particularly fast on the Aussies I don't think no, there's anybody that they, they were the hardest to me. I thought I, look, I did look at the squads and they were the hardest to pick one at the moment yeah, South African, if at all. I mean, obviously, you know, Loz makes a good point. Our, our, our resident South African in uh, Ruin Ackerman is doing very well. But the um, question it, doesn't say we can only have one. There's not like, you know, we're limited. Well, I think, like, I think if we you can have Ackerman and bring in someone else. Well, no, no, you're quite. But you, all right, then one other additional South African, should you wish to bring one in, who would it be? Um, Probably go for a prop. Um... Maybe like, oh, I don't know. Do, do they have to be playing now? Well, ideally, I don't think you can. Idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that ruled out. This might rule out a couple of my answers. Then you can't have Oz Durant. It's <laughs> like... yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Um, if, all right. If we're struggling with stuff, then French. If any French, obviously we mentioned Dupont, which is an easy one. I mean, I think there's quite a few French players. South African. I, I'd probably go for that. Is it? Uh, what's it? The 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 twat is it? The toy, the tight head one. Yeah, the toy. Yeah, toy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could take I'd any of the bombs. Squad, massive, couldn't you? Yeah, any yeah. of those guys. Yeah. Um, and French, if at all. Obviously, Dupont is a given. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Dupont is the standout. To be yeah. honest, I, I, you say he's the standout, but that, right again, when I looked at the French squad, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, all of yeah. them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> even if you could have all of them, but um, like that's what that that would fill a gap in our team. I think. I, I think yeah. right, if if I start with Frenchmen, then if that makes mm-hmm. sense to me, I I went Fiku just because I think that's where we might need some players in the future is some centers, and he yeah. is class. I mean, you could have Need to Mac, and I'd stick him in the center. He'd be all right there, I suppose. You know. It's mm-hmm. not like he did. Um, Safa, I went Esther I'd just pay Harlequins whatever they want from him because I think yep. he's brilliant and he wouldn't be away on international duty. So you just <laughs> have him all the time. Um, Aussies, I'd just pay David Pocock to come out of retirement because he alert, he's still only 33. So you get a few years out of him. The rest of the yep. team, really not much cop, are they? No. The Kiwi, as you said, we can't bring him out of retirement. That's binned off my t- plan to clone Cullen and make him 21 forever because he's okay. my favourite. Cullen's my favourite player of all time, for full disclosure. I could just watch him play rugby forever. So the one I went with mm-hmm. is their hooker, um, Atafoa Junior Ayuma, I think is how you pronounce it. Okay. Just look up the highlight reel. He's one who, if you watch the Junior World Cup from like two years ago, he basically just won the games on his... He is ridiculous. He might as well be a fullback. Like yeah. there's one um, where like, I think they're 10 for New Zealand on one of his first games. So he's only 24. They put a crossfield kick on and he's the hooker. And you can see the commentators kind of like, what are they doing is the hooker. He catches it on their 10-meter line 
pretty much kills the winger with the bump off, and then he just sprints past the fullback, like the full pack's not there. He is rapid, and uh, you know he he'd just be someone I'd enjoy watching. So if if you want. If you want to cheer yourself up at work, like I often do, just watch his highlights on YouTube. He's just ridiculous. So yep, that's a go. good shout. That's a good shout. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Right. Um, myself, um, Frenchman, I, I think actually I agree with you in someone like Fiku, to be honest. I think we, um, as Loz has already gone Dupont, um, I'm going to, I'm going to nick, I'm, I'm going to agree with you, Fiku. I can't really think of anybody else who I probably have. I think everyone else is, you know, I don't, I don't, I want to know, I don't really rate actually the French props. I think they're I was quite... about to say, I would have gone Denver Bambo until Jamal killed him the other <laughs> week. And you're yeah. like, well, I don't really need him now. No, I just think they're a bit overrated, their props. They're big lads who, who, who sort of get knackered after about half an hour. Um, and I, I, I just don't necessarily rate them. Um, but yeah, the backs are the ones I think, I think there's some of their backs at the moment are just superb. Um, so yeah, Fiku would be one. Um, I think if you you could even argue if you wanted to have like a, an alternative to say Untermat would be uh, Jalibert or Jalibert's or, good, yeah, yeah. Um, or, you know, or maybe or um, Peno is it Damian Peno um, for Claremont? Yeah, he's 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 a good he's a good player. Um, South Africa, I'd probably again I'd agree like Detoy or Kitsoff. Is it Kitsoff? Is the he's the is he the ginger lad Kitsoff? I can never remember which one's which. He's he's one of the bomb squad, isn't he? So he's he's a player I'd have. Uh, Australians couldn't think of a single one, and New Zealand Sam Whitelock. Not even a just not even a discussion. <laughs> it would be yeah. like Sam Whitelock every single day of the week. You could have him or Retallick. They're both pretty handy, aren't they? You I mean, know. you know, they're decent players, aren't they? They, they? They'll do a job. Um, right, most underrated Premiership player. We'll come back to in a minute. Uh, that's for Gloucester and non-Gloucester, uh, and then the, a couple of other things. We're going to come back in the second part of the pod, which is. Funniest things we've seen on a rugby pitch. Uh, uh, Russ has got a good story. I hope Snowy's got a good story. I think I've got. I think I've got a good story, but um, we'll go with that. And then the final one is the ultimate. I need to watch this before I die. Sporting event. So that's a rugby and a non-rugby event. And we're going to come back to those and do those in a minute. Okay, uh, so the, the next bit of the pod is just, again, some more interesting stuff to chat about. Um, the first bit is the underrated players of the Premiership. Now, this um, doesn't have to be Gloucester. It can be non-Gloucester players. Uh, I'll give you uh, Loz's first, because, again, he's added in his uh, his thoughts. Uh, he said the most underrated player he thinks at Gloucester is Val, which is an interesting point. And then non-Gloucester, he said either Hammersley, I think he's at Sale, isn't he? Um, uh, or O'Flaherty on the on the wing extra. Um, so that's that's that. Uh, Russ, your underrated player. Don't have to again. It doesn't have to be gloss. It can be non-gloss or however you want to do it. Really. Had, had chance. He. I thought O'Flaherty is quite underrated. I haven't really um, had time to put a lot of thought into this one. Um, mm-hmm. I think for Gloucester, I bang on about him all the time, but I think Freddie Clark is very underrated for us. I think he's yep. one of those players who he just plugs away all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go overall. He's probably not that overrated, underrated, but I think Lavoski for Saracens always seems to do a job for them. I think it's he, a decent shout, that actually. He's, he's a yeah. decent player who 
he gets overlooked because of Farrell, I think, but he's played mm. a lot this year. I mean, he didn't have a good game against us, I don't think, by his standards, but he just consistently shows up. He scores a lot of tries. He just, he seems to, I've, I've, I don't think he's ever had a bad game. No, he's a player that I think, um, I think probably, as you said, Farrell has kind of meant that he probably hasn't had the recognition uh, at Saracens or even international level. I don't know whether he's good enough for international levels of, question but yeah. you'd imagine if Farrell hadn't been there he would have been in there with a shout of he's just, yeah caps. he's always a player I thought you know when you were thinking about when we needed tens or even a centre he's the sort of player I'd he'd pop into your head as thinking he wouldn't be a bad signing actually probably because he wouldn't get a lot of international time so he'd be here mm. yeah I think he's quite a good player yeah uh, Snow any any question, Any players you'd say would stand out as um, as players that slightly underrated we feel are underrated generally yeah the Gloucester one for me he's had a lot of plaudits this season finally but Mark Atkinson just think is an absolute class act like yep. he played for years for us breaking breaking over getting over the game line free in his hands and just mm. not really having many players run off him mm-hmm. um, he seems to have linked up with people a bit bit better this season and has finally got some plaudits and a bit of time in the England camp um, the non-Gloucester one I've got is Johnny Hill <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Exeter. Yeah. Um, again, not really had much in terms of international plaudits, but like God knows how many games he's played for that top, top Exeter side and just he's a workhorse. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think, I think they're decent shouts. Um, Gloucester, I think it's, it's, it's difficult Gloucester because we kind of do talk about them all the time. So from our point of view, probably we wouldn't have them underrated, but maybe, maybe in the wider Gloucester fan base I think at the moment my underrated player is Lloyd Evans I think he's he's stepped up massively in the last uh, 18 months I mean I, I don't think he's necessarily uh, the best player on the pitch but I think he's he's improved his game substantially from what it was 18 months ago through getting game time but also you know he's actually been able to change games and win games um, but you know, I'm, I'm prepared to be shot down on that one. Um, the, 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 uh, I'll just shoot you down now. <laughs> Go on, there. <laughs> no, um, I, I agree, he has improved his game, he's become a lot more consistent. The difficult thing with Lloyd Evans is that he's not our best fly half, and he's not our best fullback. No, quite. No, I agree yeah, with that. Yeah. I, I which, agree with that, which makes it quite a difficult position for him. Mm. I think what you can say with him is he's had to wait a long time to get an opportunity, he's been with us a while. Mm. What he has done is he's shown he can step up. He's he's grafted. I, I I wasn't his biggest fan to start with, but you can clearly see he's on an upward curve. He's improved. He he, he doesn't ever seem to let us down. He kicks his goals. He you know he's he's a good player. But like you said, Snow, right? He's not our first choice fullback. He's not our first choice ten. But he's a good player to have in the squad in that you know he'll step up and try and do a job for you wherever you bring him in, I guess. Yeah. And then my non-Gloucester, um, again, tell you can tell I'm a, I'm a back. Uh, but I, again, player who probably getting a bit more plaudits now, but I think has been superb this season and has been superb actually since he kind of got into the Leicester side, and that's Harry Potter. Um, and he, he is... If you ever watch a game with Leicester he's involved, magical. he is he's a he's a bit of a magic wizard, oh, isn't he? But he's um but no, but the thing is if you ever watch him, he's he he's a bit like um Resamit in a way, in that I don't, he's got nowhere near the same sort of pace as Resamit. But one thing I would say is he he, he normally beats the first uh, first tackler 
you know, it's invariably he'll get over the game line, game line, and and that I think is invaluable. Uh, he's also very intelligent in terms of the, the lines he runs. Um, so I, I think, and I think he's just probably he he doesn't he kind of doesn't get the plaudits he probably should do in a team which has got an all firing George Ford and Freddie Stewart. So probably hasn't got the same plaudits as others. But I, you know, he'd be my player. Um, now. <laughs> Right, we're going to move on to the funniest thing we've seen on a rugby field. Now, I'm going to mention Loz's because it is quite funny. Uh, and that's my hissy fit when Dale, uh, <laughs> Dale, uh, Dale, who we used to play rugby with, didn't pass me the ball at King's Home in the Cherry Pickers match. Uh, and to paint a picture for all our listeners, it has been mentioned before, but to paint a picture for everybody, uh, this was uh, a... A, a, a prop about as close to an open goal in rugby as you can possibly get. And I think, I think he could have passed to me about six times uh, from the halfway line to the try line, uh, failed to do so, and then dropped it over the line, uh, which I wasn't best pleased with. And yes, there is photographic evidence. I've got the photo. There is photographic evidence of my hissy fit. So that's, that's fine. Um, Anyway, we'll move on. Right, uh, Russ, I'll let you go because this story is epic. So please, please go ahead and, and uh, give your funniest story. So I used to play, as everyone knows, for Doughties. And my first game, so we all met playing touch rugby. That's that's how I started from there. Um, one of the lads, Jez, managed to con me into coming along to play a game for Doughties because I used to play prop and they were short of props. I, I remember saying to him, Look, Jez, I haven't propped for five years or so. So please put me on the bench and ease me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, mate. Don't worry. We definitely do that. So went down with another friend of ours, Ash, played scrum half. Sure enough, I get that. The other prop's not turned up, mate. You're going to have to start and it is contested. So, you know, welcome, welcome back. Um, they had a lad at fullback called Dan Carter. That's genuinely his name, not making it up. And this was back at the time when Dan Carter was first bursting onto the scene and was probably the best player in the world by a mile at that time. So we were both like, oh, we've got Dan Carter playing for us. He must be good. And the thing with David is, so I've got to paint this, we were never a good side. But when I turned up, they had a new coach at the time and they were going through all these proper warm-up drills. They had back smooths planned, everything. You're thinking... This, this isn't too bad, actually. We might we might do all right here. So anyway, line up for kickoff. They kick off. Ball goes over my head. So I'm I'm prop backing up the second row. It goes literally straight over my head. I hear the fullback call my ball. He drops it. Fair enough. It was a quite a high hangy kick, a bit windy. But instead of doing what anyone else would do and kick it dead or just, you know, stop it so that they get the scrub. He picks up the ball and goes, oh, for God's sake, throws it forward into the hands of the winger who's chasing it, who cannot believe his luck, who just falls over the try line and scores. <laughs> and at no, and I just, I just should just add, at no point have I moved from my kickoff position. <laughs> And nor is Ash. So this has literally happened in about <laughs> five. I'm sure it would be up there for fastest try ever scored in a game if it was like a proper game in time. <laughs> and I remember just looking up at Ash and thinking, what have we got ourselves in for? And I think we lost the game by about 78-10. And 
like we lost about the first five games by over 80 points. And I, I so, you know, what it says about me, because I ended up staying there and ended up becoming captain of the team. So I don't know, you know, I should have run then. That is literally my first exposure to like third team rugby, because that's what we were. But yeah, it, it was one of those ones. I think the other one I should add that is almost as bad and was very doubted. So I know it's one, but this one's quite funny. Is another our scrum half once tried to box kick. We would on our own line turn the ball over <laughs> really hard. He went to box kick it away, but he did it in such a way he lifted his own hand up. He charged his own box kick down <laughs> and they scored. But that just that's a you know. Anyone oh, who wants dear. to take my views on rugby seriously, that's the calibre of rugby I used to play. Oh, dear. Right. Uh, Snowy, your funniest moment or story in rugby? Um, the two obvious ones are the balloon incident and the goalpost incident at Kingsland, but we've covered those on previous podcasts, I think. Yes. So I'm going to go for Leguizamon's swan dive for London Irish. Epic. Yeah, brilliant. It was it, it was the eye contact he gave with the camera, the false smile. Didn't he it point? Pure, pure <laughs> showboat. Pure showboating horizontally in the air. And as the ball just leaves his grasp, his face just like falls. So, and it is it's an amazing shot in slow motion. So good. Yeah, I think that is that is it's one of the things, certainly for professional rugby, I think is up there with probably the stupidest thing I've ever seen, or one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, from my point of view, I've got I've got kind of I've got one where um, we went all went down to so Snowy, myself, Loz, uh, we went down to the Olympic Stadium to watch Samoa versus the Barbars. It was like a test event for the Rugby World Cup, and about halfway through the second half, the sprinklers came on um, and absolutely drenched the Samoan players. But what was brilliant was the Barbars players in in full Barbars, uh, um, you know, mode started literally running through the sprinklers. And these are like jets of water, uh, like drinking from him and everything else. That was very, very funny and very good. And you can see that on YouTube. That is a, that is a clip that is available. But um, from a from a doughty point of view, um, I think uh, my brother-in-law getting sparked out um, uh, <laughs> was one of the more entertaining ones from a fight that Loz, whether, whether Loz started it or whether Loz contributed to it, but definitely... Unfortunately for my brother-in-law, Ash, he kind of got up from the bottom of a ruck and got absolutely sparkoed. Had nothing to do with the reason for the fight starting, but got sparkoed because of it. That was quite entertaining. Um, but I think also we'll, we have to drop Russ in it. Um, Russ scored his first ever try against Minch and Hampton at home. And I will be entirely frank. The it was Westbury. Was it Westbury? Thank Westbury. you. Thank you. Yeah, Westbury. Um, and the pass from myself we could be described as um, hospital. Would that I be a picked fair? it up from my shoelaces. <laughs> it should have been a walkover. It was. It and wasn't the great. We pass. also need to add that I. It was controversial because I'd gone off. I'd You'd been gone off, yeah. off, and I came back on for a, an injured player. We could We had shirt, no shirts we? left, right, so because... we said to the ref, "Can I come back on in the training top?" That's they right. all kicked up. Yeah. Yeah, that's so right. So it was yeah. a bizarre try in It general. was a very bizarre side try. Russ was like hanging out on the wing. I think you'd only come on like about a minute before. Neil was like, just stand there. Nothing's going to happen. It's right at the end of the game. And we were losing, but I think we, we were, were losing by five. five. I don't think he expected us to, because we won the, we turned the scrum. We won the scrum against the head, didn't we? I think. That's basically what happened. We won the scrum against the head. I think they then gave 
uh, they then gave a penalty away, but because we were losing by five, we had to go for another scrum. We went for the scrum. We went through about two phases. Uh, the ball kind of popped out the back of the ruck. I was standing, God knows why I was standing there. Because I think I was standing there because you were on my wing. That's, I think that's why I was standing yeah. there. I, I think threw... you'd moved into centre, hadn't you? Because it was yeah. Ben who went off injured and he was on the wing. Oh, we, we were we were playing a lot of, uh, we were playing a very ragtag bunch of players at that point. And um, yeah, basically the um, I threw this dreadful pass out. Russ grabbed it. And to be fair to him, you know, he took it off his toes. And then um, flopped over the line. But let's be fair, Russ. What was the the, the, the magical moment? Was Russ is that moment I, where he realises he scored the try, and then pre- proceeds to do what can only be described as the best dance celebration I've ever seen, with accompanied by a high pitched squeal of. Yeah! I mean, I'd be. I literally like. So I should just add. Be, I was a typical prop. I'd scored two tries at junior rugby, and I they were. I genuinely think the furthest I've ever run a try in from is five metres out. And that's probably the furthest I've ever run. I've, I've had some reasonable breaks in rugby, but they've just never... My favourite one, another doubting story, was I, I did a half-decent run. And if I'd have, if we'd have scored off it, I'd have dined out on it. But someone said, Russ, on your left. And as I passed it, he went, I meant right. You know, <laughs> to, you know <laughs> that sums up. That was yeah, yeah, it just yeah. sums up. Uh, I did all this hard work and someone can't tell their left and their fucking right. Yeah. So, yeah, it, was, uh, it wasn't It was the best try celebration, no. No, um, it was. Uh, yeah. So for those, for those who were, obviously none of you would have been there apart from myself, Russ, and a few other uh, select people. But believe me when I say it was hysterical. It genuinely was. The other fun, the other funny one that's based around a try was actually a moment of one of our players being really, really good, which is Paddy. So his oh, brother, yeah. brother played for Gloucester. He was genuinely too good for our side, wasn't he? But he just liked a beer and social rugby. One of our moves was generally called P-ball, which was code for give it to Paddy and hope he does something. That was literally <laughs> the move. It was. Uh, Paddy, yeah. Paddy's the only player I've seen on rugby pitch who breaks the game line, breaks through, and then starts running back the opposite direction to That's, find some support. So he did, he did. So he went to play for another team and he wasn't meant to be playing for us. And he was just like filling in and he wasn't taking it seriously. But he butchered one try because he was worried we'd put it down as him scoring. That's right. Yeah, Paddy, so we... of course we wouldn't. So the next time, and this side were running a mouse. So Paddy, the next time, he literally breaks the length of the field gets under their post but doesn't score because they were taking the piss he runs back out and then sidesteps this guy so many times he falls over and then scores the try so he was that much better at our level he could go under the try line and come back out and still score he also did the thing where I remember the one where I thought he was going to genuinely get his because he was too good he was also too quick so he'd never get punched himself but I'm sure it might be in the same game where he decided it would be a great idea to start running back. He got underneath the try and he started throwing the ball up in the air, waiting for the defenders to get relatively close before he dotted it down. And I think I, I do remember the shouts after he came back, said, Paddy, it's all well and good for you, but you're not the one who's going to get punched. So Wait, um, there's a few yeah. of our lads who did that. So again, you talk about Westbury. I think for people who've played local rugby, know how horrible playing at Westbury is. You'll it's probably remember slope. this. It's You'll remember this game, Ed. 
you'll remember this game because you gave me another hospital pass right in the marshy boggy bit and then they yeah. nailed me so i spent the rest of the game freezing because i literally drowned yeah i and didn't touch the ball after that was, we we won that game and it was like i think it was one of Doughty's first wins that season and we played genuinely played really well but we were hanging on and that was the one i always remember it i remember gareth being the politest man i've ever heard when someone was gouging him because someone had put their finger in his eye and he's like if you don't stop doing that, I'm going to hit you. If you don't stop doing that, I'm going to hit you. And then he said, I'm going to hit you. You know, if that was me, just, there would have been no comment. But from that, our back row player kicked off and he insinuated to their prop that he might be someone who has relations with family members. And this prop looked like he was going to kill him. And what was it next was a scrum. And who was propping against it was me. And he absolutely, because he couldn't get to, it was a bit like Ash, he couldn't get to Bingle. So he absolutely murdered me in that scrum. Yeah, It was like that scene in Home Alone where Joe Pesci's on the floor and they ask if he's okay. And he's just like, "Eh." that was literally how I felt. And our side were very good at putting the other people in it. A lot. Yeah, we were very. Yeah, there was there was there was a few moments of that, but I do remember that game particularly because it was I stood on the wing for the entire game. I think I touched the ball twice. I only made about three tackles because the ball didn't get outside of outside of nine or ten because the pitch was such a bog, and you couldn't even kick it. That was the thing; you couldn't even kick the ball because the ball was so slippy that for a for a, for a, uh, a fly after to even try and kick the ball, um, you you would you know you whether whether you would have your your um, you wouldn't have the your foot placement right and you just fall over. Yeah. So I, we we've stitched everyone up in the pod with our funny stories. Can I put two others forward? One for Lawrence do. and one for Snowy. I think my favorite one ever for Lawrence was when he got an intercept and all he had to do was run jog, jog down the pitch mm. and he somehow dropped the ball on the halfway. Yeah. To the point that even Browner, the referee, was laughing. And that's when Loz uttered the immortal lines of, my legs were running faster than my body. Yeah, that was... Which, you know, like, that was his save myself from the dirty <laughs> pint after the game. It's just one of my favourite, like, like, literally just laughing, thinking about it now. <laughs> my favourite snowy moment was at the Fat Bloke Sevens, where him and Paul Bennett were tied for trot top try scorer that's right and yeah. was it was it bradley kicked it through and there's snowy and no, Paul I, Bennett. I kicked, that's it i yeah, kicked you... i was chasing my own kick when the length of the pitch gathered the ball gathered the ball above my head uh, <laughs> at full reach i thought this is an awesome try going in here and, I, and as i caught the ball i got this push in the back yeah tumble forward and threw the ball forwards and it was my what i love is still the anger in your voice i mean that's some <laughs> my other favorite one in that game was when bradley realized he was clean through and he was rapid couldn't be bothered to run and when oh you get it just kicked it out of the pitch <laughs> and let someone else chase it because he was too hungover he, he was too hungover yeah. yeah yeah i mean there would yeah it's um what what the great thing about rugby is we're talking about we're talking about you know games and and uh and things we we've well, i mean i crack i stopped playing in 2013 i think you stopped playing russ in what 2015 yeah it's about probably probably four years ago when day is went under i went over to play for other teams the problem was i lost weight and people were like do you want to play on the wing like, have you seen me play rugby <laughs> there's a uh, lot of things yeah. that are wrong with my game pace is the top one though and I think Snow, you 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 kept getting horrendous. Uh, you, you, I think you broke your collarbone about three times. And now you're, to be fair to him, you you you're into your try and your buy, uh, biathlons and stuff, aren't you? So 
you know. Yeah, but we're talking about tackle height and stuff. Like I, my um, sort of immediate short-term recall is really, really bad, and I'm convinced it's from the number of wax to the head I took playing rugby. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it and played on only to get another one and another one it, which it, is it, it takes a t- yeah it takes a toll does it? i mean the main reason i stopped playing was when i got into cycling and running and just i couldn't get into a state where i had the energy to do training because i was just in bits my shoulder playing prop was con- and i my one wrist i still can't flex properly from when i got like a spear tackle into ground put my hand up and it just bent and there's technically nothing wrong with it when i went to the hospital but it won't flex all the way that that's no. just a leg rugby legacy but yeah i just got i, I just got i was i was, I, I never wanted to be and i have the utmost respect for those people you see who are still 60 like martin for doubters you rocked up and play i was like i can't be one of those people no you, it, you cannot it, be one yeah. of them well to be fair they're, they're running they're moving so slowly that impacts don't really impact don't really affect <laughs> you, I mean, that's the thing uh although i mean i, I was on the end of a of a so again for our listeners martin is a, an absolute legendary legendary figure at doughty um and um he he i mean he took i think i was playing i think it was i was playing my first game Technically, my first game for Doughty, but I ended up playing against them because the team that we were playing didn't have enough players and I got shipped off. And I think it was the first time I caught the ball. I ran, I managed to get through some of the Doughty tackles and all of a sudden there was just this hand um, appeared in my face, um, like a stiff arm and just took me straight out. That was Martin, bless him. Um, Right, final bit of the pod this week. We're just going to touch on um, another question. which are it's sporting events that you just have to do, you have to do before you die. Now we're going to do one rugby, one non-rugby. Now Lars again has put in his, he said uh, they're both in Australia. He said either the first day of the boxing day test, uh, he, he said preferably the ashes, although not this current incarnation of the England team. I think we can all agree there. And then in rugby, um, he said he's, he's already been to the bled low. Um, so he, next one will be a world cup final uh, in Australia. Um, Snow, your sort of let's go for rugby first. What's your like yeah. number one rugby must do before you die? A rugby one would definitely be a World Cup final with England in it, wherever that is. Um, yeah. I thought we, I thought it was going to happen. I had tickets all the way through to the final when it was in England, um, and it and before <laughs> the tournament we thought we were going to be good, and we turned out to be crap. So yeah. that was annoying. Bars at the Wales game when we got knocked out, and at least I got some money back for being able to sell the semi-final and final tickets. Um, but non-rugby, I've got a couple. One would be to watch the Seahawks in a playoff game at home. Yeah, not a Super Bowl because Super Bowl is just shit atmosphere and yeah, too commercial. But yeah, a home game in a playoff would be awesome. Um, the, the game to get be, to the Super Bowl, I imagine that'd be that'd be the best one, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. The the other one would be the um would be all five days of a test match in the West Indies. Yeah. Less about the sport, but just, I reckon that would just be an amazing time. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, I think we can all, I think we, to be fair, most of, most of our respective partners and wives would probably agree with us on that one as well. Yeah. Wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, uh, Russ, your fate, your sort of must do rugby first. So everyone, the, as we've already had, um, had England in the final, I'm going to go Lions series, tied one or third test in South Africa, mm-hmm. just because I think it would be an amazing, like the atmospheres you see on telly are always nuts. That's who I've always wanted to 
to see. Um, like snow, I'd love to see American football. But again, I'm not going to go for a Super Bowl because it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's, it's like a World Cup football final. There's fans or Champions League. There's fans from everywhere, so you don't get the atmosphere. So I was trying to think who would be like someone like so Green Bay in the snow. I imagine would be amazing when you just see him chucking the snow around the atmosphere. But I think in terms of two teams, I want to see you legitimately hate each other. Would probably be like Steelers versus Ravens in a Super Bowl, like winner gets a Super Bowl game I just imagine mm-hmm. the atmosphere or something like that would be amazing um, yeah I mean to, to be fair that's a fair shout um, so for myself rugby again we've kind of already done the England in the World Cup final um, and, I, and I've been lucky enough I've been to pretty much every game other than the World Cup final um, you know I've done the semi-finals done quarter-finals group games England games um, you know I've seen I've seen all the big sides so I can't really there's not a lot really from that point of view. Obviously, other than a Gloucester final, premiership final and a win, I should point out, that's obviously a key one. Um, I'd probably say that, I think, Rush, you're right on the lines of it. I'd probably like to do Lions, I'm going to say one all Lions New Zealand, only because I fancy New Zealand over South Africa, just personal choice. I think that that would be a decent one. Yeah. In the Cates in as well, in, in, in Wellington, that would be a decent sort of finishing off on that. Um I'd also, I think from a rugby point of view, I'd like to do, uh, what I'd love to do is um, a uh, to go and watch um, like the French final over at the Stade de France. I just always found that fancy that that'd be a decent cracking weekend. Um, you know, the French fans are a bit mental and it's the one time where all the French fans actually travel to the final. So that would be a decent one. Um, and then from a non-rugby point of view, kind of on that sort of, so I think I, there's so many football matches I just want to go to. Um, uh, you know, I think Loz, Loz is obviously a massive Liverpool fan. I've been to Anfield, um, so I've done that. Um, but I'd love to go and watch the the Boca River Plate derby in Buenos Aires. That it would be, I mean, just like, yeah, as you talk about experiences and like atmospheres and things like that, that would be awesome. World Cup, I, I would like to go to a World Cup final um, just because it's the, other than the Olympics, this is the biggest show on biggest show on earth. It's the biggest sporting event uh, in you know single sporting event in the world. You, you know, going to it, but obviously not one in a horrible place like Qatar. It would have to be in a natural place, which you know be a decent ground. Um, and then I think probably again something similar, hundred meter final in the Olympics. Um, that would be a that'd be a decent shout. I think I'd quite fancy doing yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think the other one I forgot because I've only seen the Tour de France, obviously love cycling. I've only seen it in, on the Shons and it's kind yeah. of not the same. I, I, a stage in the mountains, like what, like being on Alpe d'Huez watching like a proper stage would be, because it just looks fucking With both of those two door. things, 100 metre final, that's nine seconds of your life. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and the Tour de France or any cycling is the ultimate build-up for the smallest reward. Yeah, it is. It's I mean, when, when you, have, you have an hour of processions and cars and so freebies thrown off and stuff, and then they just go... It, it was hilarious how I... But you say that, Snow, but I didn't tell him any of that when I got us to go to the Shons. And I was in her head... <laughs> 
what she didn't realize i think she thought we'd see loads of it what she didn't realize is she'd see that experience you said but just six times because of the laps <laughs> where you literally see a blur because when you watch cycling is amazing to watch on telly but if you watch it when you're there yeah. you have no idea what's going on like i think i, I was like, i think that's through because that was a yellow jersey you know you just you it's, it's make... like the f1 like the f1 yeah. is an experience because of the noise and everything but you haven't got a clue what's going on in the race. No, if you're there you, you're the going person. for the atmosphere and like cycling. Like any, I think any sporting event where the atmosphere is nuts, I'd be all about. If we're talking absolute never going to happen hypotheticals, it would be Leeds United versus Man United in FA Cup final. We're given how shit we are in a cup. That's never happening. I, well, I'd like no. to go to a, a, a velodrome in the Olympics when it's yeah. when it's the, the finals, yeah. finals mm. events. Like That's a decent to get tickets, but I think well, the other yeah. one is probably better for the fun is like a Ghent five day. So for, I doubt Ed knows what that is, but it's basically a six day, I think actually. It's a, it's a six day event in the velodrome, which is, so it's like the non-internationals all competing for big prize money in the velodrome. And the middle of it is just a load of bars. So people go and get, get really pissed up. Atmosphere is amazing. There's just a <laughs> constant bike racing the whole time. It looks awesome. I, I, yeah, I've, I, I think some of that sounds fun. The one I went to, like in terms of events where I went, I had no idea I'd enjoy it as much as I did was Le Mans because we went for my friend Stag do. And it was actually, I suddenly realised, oh, it's just an excuse to get pissed for 24 hours and there's random bands showing up and playing it. That was the same sort of thing. I think it like, yeah, Velodrome's a good chat. I always look back like I think when we go one is like in Rio or whenever won the fourth gold, the atmosphere is nuts. So I've made the velodrome looks really cool. Uh, how do you yeah. think the final is a good shout as well, Ed? I, 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 I think 100. Are you right there, Snowbat? That it is like a massive build up and stuff, but I just, you know, the, and it isn't quite the same draw as it was when Usain Bolt was running because with Usain Bolt, there was always that possibility that he was going to break the world record and that there's all that sort of stuff around. Oh, yeah. yeah, Mo, Mo, Mo Fowler's running the in 2012 where it's building around the stadium yeah, yeah, yeah. like a Mexican wave. As yeah. you're getting towards like the end yeah. of the crescendo, that would be good. There's there's yeah. so many events you look back on and think, oh, I wish I'd been there. And I think, yeah, yeah. Mose is up there. When That's, he said that realization that, that he's yeah. gonna mm. do yeah, like that yeah. that night where he just that realization he's gonna do it. Like I think the ones I always look back, the one event I look back on more than any sport and wish goes there was when we first won the Ashes back with like Michael Vaughan and everything. 2005, where yeah. Fred Freddie's innings, that that over yeah. by Freddie Flintoff. I just think, yeah, like it's a short space where it's um who was, was Ricky Ponting where he basically absolutely destroys him that's one of those events where it's like I wish I was there because you what you just see the atmosphere build because you could just see people knew something amazing was going to happen it's a bit yeah. like the, the the carpet bowls final live on BBC2 that's the other one because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to see Barry that. from EastEnders belt you know, <laughs> something inside you know, so the, strong <laughs> in terms of ones that look doll that I hate but I think god it must be amazing to go see what it'd be like is the darts just to watch loads of pissed up northerners just being really abusive and yeah. just getting carried away I hate darts but I just look at think that that must be something there must be something I'd, about I'd love to go to, to uh, Ali Pali on the New Year's ones at Ali Valley would be class just basically it's what we're agreeing is any event where you can get really can pissed yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's an issue so I'm, I'm going to get a chance to experience a World Cup final fingers crossed later this year um because i'm i've got a ticket to the uh the rugby league world cup final in manchester so that fingers crossed and there is the way they've managed to do the draw is that england have been kept apart from new zealand and australia so they have to be i think they just have to be tonga pretty much to get through to the final um that's a good world cup isn't it 
Yeah, yeah it, it is. Like guaranteed with the final before it, it is starts. pretty much. So it's basically England will play one of New Zealand or, or, or Australia in the final. So that's that's a decent thing. I'm looking forward to that. But then um, other than other than that, I think um, yeah, we kind of covered all of them really. I suppose the only other the only other sporting event I'd, I'd love to go and watch would be Game Seven of the World Series baseball. And Snowy will back me up on this, but at the Mets at Shea, at City Field. It would have been better against, at Shea. Against but, the Yankees. Again, uh, yeah, against, yeah. Uh, cross, yeah. Uh, Subway, Subway Series. Um, Subway Series. Seven, seven uh, series, isn't it? Subway Series, it's called. Yeah, seven, Subway. Isn't it this? Oh, yeah. I think no, it's the Seven Lines series. It's the Seven Lines, it, but it's called, it's the, it's called the yeah. Subway Series. So, yeah, Subway Series, World Series, five, Game 7 at City Field. That would be... Uh, for, and be for, awesome. those, for those who, who don't kind of understand baseball or watch baseball... The noise and atmosphere at a, at a baseball game when it's full. Um, if if it's a game that means something, that's the trouble. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You, so, you get a lot of junk, but you get a lot. Of, you know, there's a hundred odd games in a season, 140 games in a season. So you, there's a lot of games. But you know, I was lucky enough to go to a game and then had to leave early um, <laughs> a couple of years ago in in New York when they played the Nationals. Um, and uh, I, unfortunately for me, I missed the amazing comeback, but I saw enough of that game to just, you know, it makes you, it just, it makes you ex- appreciate how bonkers Americans are with sport. Um, I mean, you know, everything takes like five hours, but when things happen, noise, I've never heard noise. I've never, ever heard a noise as loud as the home run uh, scored by Pete Alonso. Um, it, it absolutely blindingly loud um you know it's incredible i mean no one does atmosphere like like the states really do they with their sports but they are good at building spectacle for atmosphere in the states if i was going to see an event i'd go and watch like ohio state in the college football like, yeah, yeah i was about to say college football, 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 football someone like not, not someone else. like notre dame who are the what who are the ones who come out to um enter some man virginia tech you know, I mean, I'd go just to yeah. see that. If you want to, if you want to see something that you just like, well, we've lost this game before you've even started, isn't it? Yeah, you've got Penn State. It, Penn State do jump yeah. around, I think, and you know, they're oh, the, Army. Is that North? Is that Carolina? Carolina, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, 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 the one thing I would say is it's it's one area I think where British sport could really learn from the Americans about how the whole build up to the event. And then you just let the sport take care of itself. Oh, but... oh come on, Ed. Everton come out to Z cars. What, 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 <laughs> you know. And Watford. Don't forget Watford yeah. come out randomly to Z cars. Um, but there we go. Anyway, on that note, um, thank you very much, guys. Um, nice, fun, uh, chilled one this, this evening. Uh, Gloucester play Perpignan next Saturday. So that's the 22nd in the evening. So we'll do our pod on Sunday again, the, the day after. Um, and then um, we've got back to league action after that. And then it's not that long. Snow will be coming up to you. It's only what, you know, Indeed. eight weeks. I've cancelled. Two other things have come up on that weekend that I've had to can, typically. Yeah, we've just got to work so out. That'd be good. The only thing we've got to work out now is we've got to work out how to get to um, to the stadium from yours. Uh, That's not difficult. Easy. So there we are. All good. Uh, right. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, we'll speak again soon. Have a lovely week. And we'll, we'll catch up after the game on Saturday, which Russ is taking his uh, niece and nephew to. I- I believe my two nephews and my niece. Yeah, yeah. so we, it'd be nice this first game in a while I've been to. So yeah, beers yeah, on them. Forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers.